Which office are you in? Uh, school 58. Dude, I'm wearing my school 58 shirt. I didn't even know. Oh, there we go. Check that Perfect. out. Yeah, so I'm here in the afternoons from Monday through Thursday. Okay. And then mornings, I'm just TAing for uh, Shepherd. So I'm in second and third grade. Right on. Doing that. Just helping the teachers get stuff done, keep the kids in line. They're not too crazy. So make, it's pretty easy. That part's pretty easy. So. Did you tell me that you're engaged now? I am engaged. Tell me the story. Well, I met my now fiance a couple years ago. We're coming up on two years ago now. Started dating fall of 2021. Met in a pastoral care and counseling class, uh, as one does. And uh, that is precious. Coffee. It's a perfect ministry story. Uh, asked her out for coffee, and then before I knew it, we were dating. And then about about a year later, bought the ring, and then convinced her to come home for Christmas up to Canada. Didn't take too much to convince her, but Winnipeg or Calgary, Calgary, so out west. E- e- easier sell, a lot easier sell. Yes, yeah. a little bit warmer. Those mountains wasn't too bad, though. It got pretty cold when she came, so she get the taste of the Canadian winter. Planned a trip to Banff, Alberta, and uh, my sister found a spot ahead of time for me, and we made our way up to Banff. And then my two sisters came with me because one was going to take pictures for us. And uh, they went ahead to the spot and I convinced her to kind of make my way over there, make our way over there. And we walked up this hill and boom, asked the question. Sisters were hiding in the trees, taking pictures. So, yeah. And she said, yes, thank goodness. Sneaky and uh, awesome. That is so cool, dude. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And did Jocelyn see this coming? Like, you guys have probably talked about it, but did she like, yeah. she's like, oh, here it is. It's This is the moment. I'm in Banff and he's going to do it. She claims to know. I'm sure she had an inkling. She has this uh, Snapchat post that she saved. She's like, I think I'm going to get engaged today. And then she like ah. saved it. So that's her proof that she did think it was going to happen. So, but we had obviously talked about before. So it wasn't like uh, something we hadn't talked about yet. It still went well and it was a good spot. The wedding date is March 3rd of 2024. So we still got some time figuring out the details and getting every, getting invites out and then figuring out, yeah, there's a lot to figure out for weddings. So we're, we're working on that right now, trying to get that. Yeah. Done. We're getting closer with every day, so which is good. So what's your fiance's current situation? What's she doing in life right now? So she has one more semester at Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, okay. She graduates in December. So right now she's just, she works at two coffee shops. She's uh, the um, purchasing manager at one, the campus one, Macon. And then she is just a book, just a barista at uh it's called the abbey coffee company off campus so her uh she hopes to get into the coffee business maybe own a coffee shop one day so she loves it she's very good at it very good at the latte art um and so yeah getting ready for that finishing up school then the winter working then we're gonna have to get settled down we'll get settled down somewhere nearby indianapolis so yeah what are are you guys what are you guys thinking like what are you projecting after the fellowship and after you know you'll have been married for a couple of months yeah um, so when your fellowship ends yeah um i think we've made kind of general commitment to a couple years in the indie area so um you know obviously still in the fellowship so what that looks like for shepherd long term we'll we'll have conversations with probably in the coming months about what that looks like and then for her looking for some Preferably for working at a coffee shop, looking for some jobs like that in the area and kind of just lots of opportunity. Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot here in Indianapolis, which is nice. So are you a um, coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. We love we love my family loves our coffee. So 
loves our, but we love our Tim Hortons, but we don't get a whole lot that down here. So, but I've been looking forward to talking to you, man. I've just, every time we've had a conversation over the course of you applying for Shepherd and then mm-hmm. um, just our little check-ins. And then, and then when I was able to visit campus, how'd you get connected up with Shepherd? And what did that journey look like to come be a fellow? So originally I had a professor connect me with you. This is a few years ago now. I'm trying to remember the situation it was. It was, I think originally we were looking at possibly doing a, like trying to find some spots for me to possibly do a summer internship. And that was the original connection. And then fast forward, like that fall, I think it was that fall, um, you shoot me an email like, hey, was looking through my emails, saw this, was wondering if you still want any, if you're open to pursuing this and all. And at that very time, I was looking for where I was going to work after I graduated. So I was like, I don't know where I'm going to work. Started applying all sorts of places. I, If I was to stay in the US, since I'm from Canada, I had to be within my major. So that already like kind of squeezes down, like it has to be ministry, which isn't a problem, but it does squeeze down like my options in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, I can't just go and work like a retail job for six months while I kind of figure out where I'm going to go next. I kind of have to get into a ministry spot. Um, and so, yeah, that started that. We did the interview process that fall. And I think you guys officially offered the fellowship in late November. Thought about it, gave it a couple of weeks to think and pray about it, and then committed to the fellowship. So I was ready. I'd already committed and ready to go for the fellowship before, I think, the new year even. Or we might have been like right at the beginning of the new year. Like it was pretty early yeah. on in the year committed to it, kept connected with you and Alan, came down to Sea Shepherd in april because i was dropping off some stuff alan showed me around we went out for lunch and then mid-may well mid to late may i moved in and started i started a couple weeks earlier just because of visa stuff and uh what worked out best and kind of did some i didn't do like the regular summer stuff beforehand because well the summer hadn't started yet then summer got into full full swing so it was uh the timing of it was good of of having the option and was able to let me plan ahead for the year, especially I got engaged during that time of figuring out the job. And so um, allowed me to still be here close by the fiance for the year while she was finishing up school. Um, so yeah, and that was kind of like the process getting in, I would say, overall. It was it was a smooth, for me, it was a very smooth process. It was very easy. It was from my perspective too, man. I love when people get locked in, you know, at the end of the school year, beginning of the year, we're like, yeah, we know this person's committed. We're, we're going, we don't, we don't got to worry about that anymore. And, and it's not pushing it to the end. Mm-hmm. I was on campus at Iowa and hung out with you and Ashley. One yes. of those months in there, was that, was it February or was it later than that? It was, it was kind of that February, March. I can't remember exactly when it was a little bit before the semester ended though. Cause you're on your way back up from, from down South. I forget where like Tennessee or something like that. You're speaking at a school. I, I'm trying to remember now. Oh, it was, uh, it was Trebekah. It was yeah, Nashville. It was in February. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I was driving up to Fort Wayne and stopped by and you guys were kind enough to have dinner with me, man. I really appreciated that. That was, I, and I was like, Hey, we got a summer intern. We got a year long fellow and they're both already committed and I'm eating with them. That was, that was such a, it was a privilege for me, man. How's, how's the summer been? And then let's talk about the transition into the fall, but how's this, the summer starting out as a fellow? Um, I think overall it went fine. Um, fortunately for me, I have a lot of, like with my parents being pastors and helping run like VBSs and day camps in the summer, being involved in overnight camp as a leader, um, did give me a lot of prep for what the summer would be. Um, 
So there wasn't too much of a shock for me personally getting in and just working with kids every day because I had done yeah. it before, um, fortunately for me. And so overall, the summer, I think for me was my life outside of work was almost more busy because it was like learning how to transition into like college life is done. I have to plan, a, we're planning a wedding, um, various things like that, figuring out like, what does life look like now that I don't have football in my life anymore? Cause I finished up football. What yeah. does it look like that? You know, this is now a bit more of an indefinite move. Um, and so, uh, the actual work part of the summer for me was enjoyable overall. Um, the kids were great. I mean, with kids, you're going to have issues, but it was nothing too crazy. It was good to be able to, for me, have that time to kind of settle in in that way. And that's really what I felt it was for me personally, was a time of settling in and figuring out kind of how I was going to start transitioning from college life into to what was more real, real life. So um, that's overall for me, that's how the summer went. It was it was good. It was a good time for me to to learn how to transition and i mean there's still transitions being made uh just in general just understanding what like how to split up time and work life and all that but um with how the summer works it was it was good for me to be able to have that time to figure that out and i mean it was still crazy and busy but for me i was able to have that time to do that so what age group did you get assigned during the summer and what were some of the favorite activities you did with that group? So I had grade four. It was quite the bunch of kids. Uh, our grade fours are very energetic. And a lot of them, a lot of them that were there for the summer do go here at Shepherd. So I see them around in the halls. Uh, they're a very energetic bunch. You they're know, at the academy. That, is that what you mean? Yeah, they're at the academy. Gotcha. And you know, they're an energetic bunch. You know, this is the age where they're, some are starting to feel like they're a little grown up. So they're trying to figure out what that means. <laughs> even though they're nowhere near. And so there's a bit of that, you know, so it was, it was a fun time trying to navigate also the difference between the girls and the guys, because they were both very different in their, where they are developed developmentally. The girls are much further along. So you're almost dealing with preteens, teenagers, but at the same time you have the guys, most of them are still kids. You know, they're, they're, they're not super problematic. They just got a bunch of energy. It was half the time was, that's what it was. So, so trying to balance that out, um, working with, with other staff, over the summer, got to work with my fellow Canadian Jeffer, which was always, which was a lot of fun. Enjoyed having him around. So kind of like the the demographic and what it kind of looked like. And so that was, that was fourth graders. Are they fourth grader, incoming fourth graders or are they, they're fifth graders now and for the fall? Incoming, incoming fourth graders. So they're, okay. they're fourth grade right now. Yeah. So transitioning so, into the fall, then it's a different schedule than the summer where you got a morning placement and an afternoon placement. And yeah. you said you're with in the mornings, you're at the academy with second and third grade. Yes. So I alternate two days at minimum, two days a week. I'm with each class. And then Wednesdays, we alternate every other week, which classroom I'm in. And uh, kind of my main role, like I said earlier, just is helping support the teachers and what they're doing. So I do anything from copy paper to hang out with the kids at recess or all sorts of stuff. It, it's a wide variety of stuff. So some days you never know what you're going to get, which that makes it a little bit more interesting knowing that you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And then so that that's my main role in the morning. I also I forgot to mention I drive the bus to CCA, uh, Central Christian Academy um from 7 30 to 8 in the mornings so take the what's that what's that connection with shepherd how does that how does that work so the, the academy's only is preschool to, to grade five so we have obviously have kids that you know once they get through grade five they need somewhere else to go 
Um, and so an option is to come to local schools or what they can do is Shepherd has agreement with Central Christian Academy that they can go to Central Christian Academy on scholarship because it is a private Christian school. So it does, it, it has a, a cost. We bus them in the morning. So this is grades is six through 12. So this is all the way up to high school. So I have about 12 kids I bus in the morning, every morning, varying from all those grades. And um, so yeah, that's like just the regular school and that's how they get connected through. So the only... The only like requirement is that they went to Shepherd first, so they ah, gotcha. So they can't just like in grade eight all of a sudden be like, "Hey, I'd like to go here through Shepherd." No, you yeah. have to go from the beginning. You've got a role right now where you're you're around middle school, high school kids, bussing them, but then you're working with elementary kids in the morning. So afternoon yeah. placement, what age group are you with? So afternoon, I'm doing, I'm with, at School 58 with the after school program. So we, our after school program is now officially for grades one through six. So we have about 52 kids, uh, grades one through six, a lot of grade five kids. We have a lot of grade five because uh, we're full in that class. We kind of divvy it up evenly. So every, every grade gets an even opportunity to go. It's still pretty balanced throughout, but a lot of grade fives this year. I know that for sure. So the big thing with after school is we have them with schoolwork. We sit down for about 45 minutes, which is a big advantage for a lot of these kids where, I mean, this is true wherever you go, but it's even more true in neighborhoods like where we're at, where kids, if they bring their homework home, it's just not happening for whatever, for a multitude of reasons outside of just, they don't feel like doing it. There's, there's other reasons involved right. in why. Sure. And so we're sitting down and helping them get through that, which helps set them up to be successful in the classroom. And then after that, we do what's called clubs. And so we have a budget to bring in certain things. Volunteers come and they run these different clubs. Like we have a Taekwondo club this fall, dancing club, like all like, and they change throughout the year. It's not just like one thing for the year. And so the kids get to enjoy and, and try out different things, um, see what, you know, sometimes they find new things that they love to do, especially at this age, you're trying to figure out what you like to do. This is, it's a great opportunity to, to experience new things. We give them dinner and then we send them home. And so it's a good time to uh, make sure kids are getting home safely to make sure that, you know, uh, those hours right after school, they're not just running around the streets, which was kind of the original vision from uh, what I've been told. Um, and so being able to just help the kids continue academically grow and then also have an opportunity for them to experience new things. And that's kind of like the two big pillars uh, of the program. And so, and then also they get a meal, which is always, which is always good. So what's for dinner? What's typically served? Um, this year we're doing, Shepherd does the same thing. It's called Second Helpings. And so what Second Helpings does is they take donated or rescued food um, and they make dishes. And so it's always something different. They have certain food requirements. So it has to have a certain amount of protein and vegetables and whatnot. So we're going to find out. I'm probably going to go pick up the food after we're done. So we'll find out what it is today. I don't know what it will be, but um so something new every day, which is good. It gives some variety for the kids. Um, we have, we have, like I said, about 50 to 53. So we serve a, a decent amount of kids meals. And so like last week, I think we did, we did a chicken bake, which was like a, it was like a casserole type thing. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday we did corn dogs with chips and a banana. So that was a bit more of a fun meal, a variety of all those things and sandwiches some days. It will really just depend. So, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about um, life in the fellowship outside of work. What's the discipleship community like? What's the, what's the living situation? What's, what's the ebb and flow of activity like? There is intentional time put in the discipleship. Um, the guys do a Monday night Devo time for, uh, starting at eight o'clock. So we'll have one tonight. 
let's just kind of talk about life, get into the word a little bit. We're going through a book um, and just kind of like pray and pray for each other. Um, we have Thursday night fellows night, which is supposed to be a time of, of you know, pouring in uh, specifically to us fellows. I mean, summer interns are obviously a part of it during the summer or bridge students as well. And um, so uh, those are kind of the two main, like for guys talking from the guys perspective, two main nights of like yeah. really discipleship. Um, I mean, we all have one-on-ones with different, with different senior leadership in some way um, off and on throughout the, like, as we can, uh, you know, we're all busy with, uh, with work and whatnot. And then, um, you know, house life is good. How many of us are in the house right now? Two, four, five, six. There's six of us in the house. Yeah. And yeah, it just more- changed, right? Cause you had all these, you had summer interns in there and now those yeah. people are gone. So yeah, there's six of us, uh, mostly college grads, it's a bit different change of pace. We kind of all, some of us have like, for someone like me, where I got a fiance that I go see as much as I can, um, and just kind of life commitments outside of just hanging around the house. So some of us are out a bit more than others, but we yeah. we all do find time to hang out with each other. Um, I think overall the relationships are going well. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it's it's a it's a bit more now. It's a bit more of just kind of a um, how do I how do I describe it? It's a bit less of a camp feeling where everybody's hanging out at the house together. It's more like yeah. regular life. Um, doing life. Yeah, doing life, but still finding time to be intentional as well. What are some uh, important lessons you've learned so far about yourself? I've got three tiers here about yourself, working with others, and your relationship with Christ. So just the first one is what's some important lessons you've learned so far about yourself in this fellowship? Hmm. I think the biggest thing I've learned about myself is... um excuse me um i need to be just for myself and intentional in if something doesn't go well or quite what i would want um doesn't mean that that particular thing has to be changed or will change but making sure communicating with the right people what happened and how i'm feeling about it or what changes could possibly happen and just understanding that that those conversations need to happen for that to kind of become a closed page. So we're not like reopening a, a half closed page constantly. And so just that was one big thing that I about myself, like being able to not just be like, whatever, it's fine and just move on. Um, being intentional in that is, you know, both can work, but the other being intentional with it uh, allows it to work a lot better. And so that was the biggest thing I think I've learned about myself so far. And that one kind of rolls over into working with others too, but would you add anything there as far as what have you learned about working with others in this position as a fellow? Um, Trying, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things I've learned is just being um, honest with, um, what's the best word? Honest with some bliss would be one one of the best ways to put it. Um, Not being blunt, but being thorough and making sure that everything's communicated well. Um, I think there was a few situations even in the summer where I could have communicated better and it would have prevented um, issues that did happen. They weren't huge issues, but they were issues that had to be taken care of. They didn't have to happen if conversation didn't happen earlier. And so, and it wasn't even issues particularly just between me and the other individual, but stuff that just made the, the group dynamic of working together didn't go well for a period of time. So 
just understanding that, you know, being honest, but not being blunt, you know, be, having honesty with grace um, is, is the big thing, biggest thing I've learned with working with others. So the first way you said it was honesty with bliss. Yes, honesty with bliss. Say it in a way that's not downputting or harsh. I think harsh is what I'm trying to say. Not not saying it harshly. Because yeah. uh, I, I do I don't mind being blunt and I don't mind people being blunt with me. And so um, you know, understanding that not everybody quite works like that. Reminding yeah. So I'm good with it. Bring it. That's what I say. We, you, you and I, you, you and I can do that. Perfect. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't work on a day-to-day basis together. Yeah. So, so. we don't have as much opportunity. No, if no, we work no. together, we, we, I'd give you plenty of opportunity. Just so Perfect. you know. Yeah. <laughs> How about your relationship with Christ? What ways have you noticed it's been impacted over the last few months, and and um, any ways that you've seen that you've been stretched or grown? in faith mm. i think um there's been two kind of themes of my time so far is uh one is understanding that god does and will provide um you know and particularly god does provide as you walk through the doors that he opens for you mm. um sometimes that's hard to see right in the moment but you'll look back three weeks later and be like well god provided uh, whether that's financially or whatever other means, um, God truly does care for our needs. Um, and secondly, that God is truly the God of peace. Um, you know, you're talking, I just, I just preached at intersection a week ago when we were talking about, uh, first Kings 19, when Elijah, Elijah ran away and up into the mountain and God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the fire, but he's in the still voice. Yeah. And we and I connected it to Matthew 14, talking about when Jesus calms the, the storm and walking on water. Um, and, you know, God is truly the God of peace as we trust in him and we look to him in, in to be our peace. And I think those two things in tandem have been very have been stretched and grown in ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, and that I've also been very thankful for, though. Appreciate you sharing that, man. Thanks. Who's had the biggest impact on you so far at Shepherd? I think a lot of people have had a big impact uh, on me. A lot of various people, but I think the kids have played a big impact on me. Never imagined myself as a big person working with kids, and I don't think that that's a long-term thing for me. I think my calling is a bit different, but the kids have helped me in a lot of ways learn what compassion looks like in a not compassion in uh, you do whatever you want perspective, but compassion. What does it look like to compassionately correct? What does it look like to compassionately um, encourage? And, and doing that in a way that is um, not filtered, but appropriate for the person that you're working with. And so specifically for kids in this case. And so I, I think the kids have had a huge impact on me overall. And I think an impact that I won't fully see until down the road is one thing I do, I do see being a possibility and so yeah tell me a little bit more about your calling and where you see yourself long term we've talked about that in the past but remind me and and i'd love to hear you share about that again of how you see god leading you vocationally and and in Mm. ministry i truly do believe that god is calling me long term into uh working with uh those incarcerated and also with the rehab side of incarceration um 
you know, in North America, we have a very large population of incarcerated. We have the largest by population in the world. Um, and so there's a, there is an obvious need um, that the church, I think the church is working to fulfill. So, and being a part of the continued work of chaplaincy, but also helping people get on their feet afterwards. Um, and that's where I think a lot of lessons from Shepherd will be helpful. Um, how do we help someone from absolute zero? A lot of people that get out of prison, especially if you're in for 10 plus years, I mean, your if if an inmate's been in prison for 10 plus years, their chances of not reincarcerating is is under 10%. Mm. In a lot wow. Well under 10%. And so we're talking about this individual has paid their cost to society. And I'm not here to say that people shouldn't go to prison because there is stuff that are done that, you know, there's consequences to our actions. That's that's a biblical understanding of how the world works. Um but we see so many people that pay their dues to society for what they've done have are will forever live with the consequences of what they've done um and but can never get their lives back on track i mean that and that's just a waste of a person's life at at a very basic non theological understanding like that we're wasting people's lives and that's a waste to society that's a waste to our communities um, it is a big driving factor to why a lot of our underprivileged communities are that way, because a lot of families are broken apart due to incarceration. Um, people can no longer get jobs. If you have a felony on your record, your chances of getting a high-paying job is cut significantly. And so how do we look to turn around someone from this very broken state? Um, you know, obviously, there's something that they've done in most cases and the majority of cases that is warranted this time but where do we go from here i think that's really where god's called me long term um how that looks like i don't know 100 uh, obviously because i have a long life to live and lots of doors have yet to be opened um but i think that god's put really put that deeply on my heart and um how do we connect the church to do that um to do that work well in their own contexts because not every church is going to do a prison visitation ministry. This is not going to work. So how do we, you know, help the church minister to this group in their own unique ways? Because church is different. Each church population is different and that's okay. And that's how it works. And so um, that's really what God's laid on my heart. And I, that is my calling, I believe, um, long-term. So, you know, experiences like Shepherd help understand how do we go about working in a context, learning from a context, and how do we grow from there? And so excited to see where God continues to open that door, but right and right now that door is shepherd. And so that that's how I mean that's a long-winded way to explain my calling, but it's really, not long-winded, man. I appreciate you sharing your heart. I, I I'm drinking it in. And I'm also going, okay, you're working you work with fourth graders for the summer, you're working with second and third graders, you're working with first or sixth graders. And you're in this urban ministry context, and these kids are coming from all different kinds of backgrounds from the neighborhood. But and and yet I'm hearing you say that you see that God's led you to shepherd, but vocationally your calling is to the incarcerated. So how do you see um God leading you to shepherd as as a way that He's preparing you for what He's calling you to long term? Um I would say that one big part of it is I grew up 
in very multicultural contexts. So um, I understand what it's like to be around people from all over the place culturally. Um, but what I don't grasp as well is being around people from varied socioeconomic backgrounds and Shepherd and its connections. Um, you know, I grew up very middle class. I grew up in a middle class family. My parents saved money well. We always paid the bills on time. I would never say that I was in a situation where I was without need or without many wants as well. Um, so understanding how to learn another person's context, so like economically, understanding what that means, uh, the struggles that come in that I wouldn't even begin to understand. Um, and just kind of leaning into that. And I think Shepard opens the doors to learn that in a safe way. Um, whether that's through the kids or it's through the parents that you meet, the programming that you do, um, the random connections that you get from living in the neighborhood, those things build up an understanding of how do I walk into a space and kind of have a clean slate with somebody and not have any predisposition of what they might be or how they may act because of what I would perceive their socioeconomic status to be. And I think that that is really helpful uh, for me personally. And uh, it's something that I continue to learn. Um, and it, it, it's a big door and eye-opening experience for me um, at, during my time here. Yeah. Glad, glad it's helping and it's it's intriguing to hear you make the, the connections and see how it all, how God's kind of fitting it all together. When people apply for a fellowship at, at Shepherd over this fall and over this next year before we get to next summer, um, what advice would you have for somebody that's thinking about coming and spending the year like you're doing? A couple things. Um, I think first and foremost, um, you know, make sure that you ask all the questions that can come. Um, there are people that are willing to answer those questions. If you have to, you have to ask them. Um, and so fully understand what you're doing. I think that in any job, we do ourselves a disservice if we don't ask all the questions and understanding what the job entails, uh, the situation we'll be in. And if we don't spend the time asking those questions, and that's more of just even a life thing in general, but it's very helpful for the fellowship to understand fully what's going on here, uh, what you'll be expected to do. Um, secondly, though, with that, I would make sure that somebody that's applying for this spends the time understanding if this will fit into where God's calling them for life, because this is a ministry job at the end of the day. Um, that's what it's meant to be. And so, um, you know, you, there is a spiritual um, requirement, I would say, that is pulled from somebody. And so uh, making sure that your heart's, that's where your heart is at. And then lastly, you know, in the application process applying, um, you know, I think asking the question is, is a year of my life. Not that is it is this worth a year of my life, but how would this fit into my life long term if I spent this year doing this? I think like those focus on those three things, really prepping your heart, understanding what you're doing, exactly what you're doing, uh, what is the situation you're walking into, and really seeing and thinking about what the value of that time would be. I think is a, would be a good prep, like help you prepare and help you understand is is this something I should commit to. 
because it ends up being the question is you know, the answer is you know what maybe this isn't the best for a year for me this isn't where my heart is at it's it's better if you decide to go somewhere else because that opens that that opens that space for someone else to walk in where their heart is ready and i think that that's also very critical and important so spending that preparatory time and being intentional and asking questions because there are like i said people like you alan there are people that will answer them but you have to ask um so yeah solid advice man thanks for taking the time to reflect on that i'm almost done as far as the questions that i i share with you and everything um i, I think i got through them i just wanted to see if maybe i could pray for you before we we yeah. wrap up and if there's anything you wanted to add to what i already know that i can be holding you before the lord with I think the biggest thing for me right now is, uh, I mean, obviously the wedding is huge, a big part of my what's on my mind, but also um, just continuing to grow relationships and understand where, you know, God's opening doors and trusting him to continue to provide and give peace. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let me offer a word of prayer. All right, man. Thanks again for the time. Appreciate it. And um, yeah. I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. All righty. You have a good one. Peace.